bumming with Biden Let's have a few brews We'll have some fun With the bum wine crew So kick your feet up Grab you a beer Cause damn man I'm glad that you're here The band that brought you the number one smash Kokomo is back There's a place called Kokomo The Beach Boys new album Summer in Paradise Featuring the hit single Hot Fun in the Summertime Summer in Paradise, the definitive soundtrack of summer that lasts all year round. Twelve new cuts from the Beach Boys. Summer in Paradise features the recording debut of John Stamos. Summer in Paradise, the first new studio album in seven years from the Beach Boys on Brother Entertainment. All right, all right, all right. This is Bumwine Bob coming at you, welcoming you to an all-new edition of Bumwine with Bobcat, where I will be joined very shortly by Jesse Krakow, and we are going to be breaking down two of the iconic and legendary and somewhat infamous Beach Boys albums. <laughs> they are 1989's Still Cruising and 1992's Summer in Paradise. Now, these are two polarizing Beach Boys albums that a lot of people have a lot of different opinions about out there on the internet. Uh, you can find it, it all out there. Just just search, Google it, you'll find it. But I wanted to take the time to really go in-depth about these two albums. And Jesse was was nice enough to, to come on the podcast, sit down, and chat about his feelings about these Beach Boys albums. Because the late 80s to early 90s Beach Boys era is totally different from the 60s version of the Beach Boys that they are most well known for. And we are going to go into a little bit of detail about that. We're going to break down the music. We break down at least what we think the thought process was going into the creation of some of these songs, the the lineup, the the track listings. We break it all down here, here for you on this week's edition of Bunny with Bobcat. And I was trying to find the perfect beer to pair with these two albums and this podcast. And I was trying to find a beer that is coming from a classic uh, brewery, but might not be up to the same level as some of its favorites. And also kind of gives you that, that summer beach vibe with it. And I was searching and searching and searching... Then I opened the fridge the other night, and there it was sitting right in front of me in the fridge. It was left over from the Samuel Adams Summer Variety Pack, and that is the Samuel Adams Seasonal Beach Session IPA, crisp and tropical, coming in at 4.7% ABV and 30 IBUs. And anybody who knows me, 
I am usually not a fan of IPAs, and this one here is not much different. It is on the lighter side, at least, so that bitter, hoppy flavor is at a minimum here, but it's certainly not at the level of a classic, the well-known Sam Adams Summer Ale. So it, it's kind of the, the Beach Session IPA could be like the Summer in Paradise <laughs> of the Sam Adams uh, Summer Seasonal Brews, but I thought it was perfect to pair with it here for this podcast. So if you if you have your own beer at home, crack it open, sit back, relax, and enjoy because we're going to break it all down for you here on this week's podcast. And be sure to stay tuned to bumwinebob.com because we have a bunch of treats on tap. If you saw the post from a few weeks ago, we still have to cover the new MD2020 Spike Punch Cans. I got two of the three flavors. Couldn't get that blue raspberry. And also we have two of the Juice Tall Boy Cans sitting in the fridge as well. So so be patient. Relax. They're on their way. We're not going to forget about them. We haven't cracked them open and not told you guys yet. You will see features at bumwinebob.com in the coming weeks to go over those. And also, the 2021 bumwinebob.com NFL Pick'em League is back. So if you want to test your luck and pick some games for your own chance to win some BWB swag, uh, check it out at Yahoo. We're on there again for the Pick'em League. It's group ID 2521, and the group password is BWB2021. All the links are up at the website at bonewinebob.com. You know where to find it. So we'll uh, we'll get you to the podcast this week. It's Bob and Jesse breaking down, still cruising to a summer in paradise. So crack up in a cold one and enjoy. I gotta know why you're choosing. Are, are you a huge Beach Boys fan? And then are you a huge '80s Beach Boys fan? I have to ask you. Okay, I, I've always been a Beach Boys fan. You know, to an extent. You know, growing up, my, my my dad would listen to it. You know, hearing it. You know, growing up, things like that. And so I've always liked the Beach Boys. And then, kind of over the past year, you know, when, when you're sitting home you know, during a pandemic with nothing else to do with your life. <laughs> uh, you, you go and dig deep into the YouTube, you know, rabbit hole. Yeah. And then I started, and I mean, I had known a lot of, you know, the, the Beach Boy stuff, and I started somehow getting into all the stuff about the 80, the late 80s Beach Boys, you know, w- around the Kokomo time and, and everything that was going on with the band and just seeing the progression of them, you know, fully from like the 60s to the 70s to the 80s and then to the 90s, just seeing how they went. And I don't know, it just kind of got fascinating to, <laughs> to, to, watch, to watch all of it. And yeah. and I've, I've seen how much crap that 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 late 80s, early 90s Beach Boys era gets. And I think growing up during that period, and I don't know about you but i i watched full house a lot you know as, as a kid and yeah. i remember the beach boys being on there and seeing them 
through those means. And that was kind of my first, you know, real introduction to them during that time period. So kind of going back and looking at all of it yeah. and seeing how it all kind of tied together, I was like, just getting fascinated. And I was like, you know what? These, you know, these albums get a lot of crap. And I'm like, well, I kind of wanted to have somebody to either not because there's, there's definitely a lot of beach boys haters from that era that will just say like, everything's terrible. You know, it's garbage. They won't even talk about it, but trying to find somebody to that might not fully like it, but can kind of maybe see some good in it. That's where I kind of thought you were kind of in the middle. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It, 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 that's, a, that's an astute uh, uh, observation um, because I, I'm a huge Beach Boys fan, but I also love, you know, weird, quirky art, outsider art, things that, that people think are shit. But actually, when you dig deeper, you're like, actually, it's kind of genius. <laughs> Whether it, it's, it's smart. It's like, it's not as bad as people make it out to be. Is, is it great? No, no, no. <laughs> but, but with that, in my opinion, Summer in Paradise is is largely so horrible that it actually makes Still Cruising kind of great. Great, you know? yeah. <laughs> right. Know? When when you put the two side by side, yeah. it's like, oh wow, right. this is this is a great album compared to this one. Compared to this one, right? I mean, I I li- I've listened to it in the last two weeks or whatever, since we talked each one maybe three or four times and i have took notes and i <laughs> because because you know with summer in paradise it it's uh well the, the most obvious thing to talk about for these records is that the production is so dated right oh, yeah it, yeah it, and that's what people hate about it so much i mean people probably will say all late era beach boy shit is horrible because they don't like kokomo right I think Kokomo is perfect. I think it's an incredible song. Yeah. I think it's, it's a beautiful song. Um, but they look like golfing Republican dads. Pretty much, yeah. Yeah. And that's yeah. It. Yeah. And, 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 and you know, I'm you know, I, I can understand why why you would be put off by that. Um but then when you list so all the records though kind of sound like that, except the songs for the most part, I, I in my opinion, aren't as good. As Kokomo. Right, right. What's interesting about, and I don't know how your feeling is, um, because for Still Cruising, I knew I knew Kokomo, and I knew, you know, Wipeout, of course, because that was... <laughs> but, you know, the album is, a, like, five... five s- songs, five or six songs that are... Um, uh, generic pop songs i should say at, at best um then you have kokomo which is this huge perfect hit then you have um uh wipeout which was this quirky hit with the fat boys right and right then you got the old shit yeah so as an album it 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 doesn't it's so weird the way it holds up i i don't I, I remember read, I read something that said that it was supposed to be uh, a soundtrack album. Yeah, I, I saw the same thing too. Yeah, I think I think that's I, at least I think I saw it on Wikipedia. You know, you got to go to Wikipedia for all your. <laughs> yeah, and then I went to a right, 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 right. That's what they that's what they said. They said they they wanted it to be like songs that have been in movies and and things like that, and then it kind of got 
too overproduced and people were throwing in new songs and then that kind of diluted the whole idea of doing a like a soundtrack though these are all our songs that were on soundtracks which i mean is a good idea i guess you know if you want to throw things out like that because you kind of mix in some old stuff and then newer songs that have been in new movies so i I could see where they're going with it but it's a stretch yeah 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 even for even for a beach boys fan we'd be like yeah that's a cash grab man yeah five songs from your greatest hits to have wouldn't it be nice (laughs) right 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 along with some other songs are just kind of thrown in it's like oh okay yeah so the the thrown in is what's so interesting to me is um and i you know uh, as you can imagine like you you know you, you start to obsess about these things like why why did they do this? Question A, why did they do this? And then B, why did they, why did they do it this way? Um, dissecting these songs is so strange. So the, the album starts, still cruising, starts off with, um, it sounds like that Everclear song, the, um, the you know, come on. We can try not to See, so this, many- this, see, and this is why I wanted to have you on here because I know you—you you are a musician, and I know, <laughs> and I want to get your perspective on it from from the music side. I mean, I'm just here; I'm just a fan of this stuff. I, I'm not musical myself. I've never, you know, played a real instrument other than playing the recorder, you know, in like the fourth grade, you know, in school. So, <laughs> well, yeah. So, so with that in mind, it's 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 strange because. I don't know how many songs in total this these two albums are. Maybe twenty songs. They they use the standard fifties chord progression, which is um, they, you know, it's like uh, you know, that that kind of a thing, and different permutations of that. But what happens with with still cruising um, is that at least there are a couple of songs that buck that trend because. In my car, if, if 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 in my car was recorded in the seventies, it'd be a great Beach Boys song. The production is quite dated. You know what I mean? Yeah, it, it doesn't it doesn't fit in. It doesn't fit in, um, and it's got this heavy guitars. Meanwhile, the drummer is Vinnie Caliuta from Zappa's band, um, <laughs> and the the chorus of In My Car is this like really sweeping wonderful thing right a classic beach boys chord progression um um with it modulates changes like this really cool like classical movement meanwhile every other song on the album is like, every other song is heart and soul you know <laughs> but I, I think also what's interesting is that um when you dissect the arrangements of these of of still cruising until it gets to Kokomo, every song is so horribly arranged. Like I, I can't imagine how long it took for them to, to record these songs. Yeah. It's, uh, <laughs> I mean, they're like I said, they're all over the place with it. You know I mean? I, I guess, you know, still cruising, you kind of see it, it's kind of more like a, a classic, it kind of has a classic vibe to it. At least that, that's what I get from it. And then uh, somewhere near Japan, you know, the second song, that's a little dark. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like it, it's slow. It's it's dark. Um, first listening to it, it, I'm like, this does not 
fitted doesn't really sound like a Beach Boys song at all. No. Even though the vocals on it are really pretty, I think they're really, really lovely. What's so distracting about this song is it's, it seems like this kind of innocuous thing that kind of goes on and on, doesn't really have any shape to it. And then you read the lyrics and then you find out about it and it's John Phillips from the Mamas and the Papas who also wrote Park Kokomo. And the song is about when his daughter Mackenzie Phillips called him while he, she was trapped over in Japan on a trip and she was strung out on heroin because she was a heroin addict because he got her hooked on heroin. And that's what the song is about. <laughs> and, and, and the funniest thing is, not the funniest thing, that story right there, that's not even the top 10 of the most fucked up things in their relationship. <laughs> you know? Right, right, right. I mean, that doesn't even make the top 10, you know. Man, that's, yeah, uh... yeah, it's fucked up life. But meanwhile, <laughs> the song is so happy and innocuous and maybe the Mike's, Mike Love's point is like, this has nothing to do with our soundtrack. This is just... <laughs> it's, it's just a nice song about when I got, you know, my my uh, daughter hooked on dope and she called me and said, Dad, I need some dope. I'm all across the country. Yeah, I'm in Japan. Some Somebody come help me. Okay. Help me. Like, yeah, it, that, that has to be a plot point. It, it can't just be, you know, a song that's playing while people are going to get ice cream. Right. <laughs> right. Right. And, and they did. And they did release that as, as a single. And really? They, um, yeah. Yeah. And, and I believe there's also a... Um, I think there was a music video for it. Holy shit. Um, as well. Like like I said, I was digging deep into that YouTube rabbit hole of, wow. of the Beach Boys. Wow. Yeah, I know. I know. It's a lot of a lot of beers were drank. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> the beer boys. Well yeah. But then uh, on a song like okay, well then two other examples. There are other examples of um of the, the island vibe, right? The Kokomo vibe. Island Girl and was it an Island Fever? Is that on Summer in Paradise? Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, those are the two. I know, on, um, I know people say that Island Fever on Summer in Paradise is like Kokomo Jr. It was like, uh, we had a hit in Kokomo and we're going to try to make a song that's exactly like that, but just a little bit different so people don't think it's the same song. <laughs> yeah, but, but, but. Be, it, the song itself isn't going to be as interesting as Kokomo. You're not going to have. We're not going to spend as much time on the harmonies. We're not going to produce. We're not going to produce it well with all these other instruments, and we're not going to actually have dynamics. Summer in Paradise. That album has no dynamic. It's probably because of the drum loops on it. I don't know, but <laughs> the drum sound on Summer in Paradise. It, I, I mean, in my notes, it, it's fucking offensive. <laughs> it, it, it's just like. The, the the Beach Boys made some of the greatest sounding records of all time. You can't fuck with Pet Sounds. It's one of the most. It's it's a fucking work of art, you know. And Hal Blaine's drum and drums on it are. It, it, it's the gospel. And to go from that, that same band puts out. Um, God, what's the? Uh, I'm gonna have to to, to to look up the name. It's not make uh, make it big. Is what's it? Uh, uh, surfing. Oh, oh, yeah, yeah. Oh my, yeah. It sounds like the good vibrations, like Marky Mark. Right, well, you also have to look, too, man. This is the era. I mean, this was released in 1992. And this is, this is just showing, you know, the Beach Boys trying to, be, trying to be hip with the times and seeing, you know, what, what are the songs that are popular? What, what's pop radio 
playing, you know, Mark Your Mark and the Funky Punch, Good Vibrations, mu- music like that, and trying to capitalize and saying, hey, you know, we're not old, we're, we're hip, we're cool, look at us. And and and, and in, in that aspect, it's a complete failure. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's not even re- remotely, it, you know, doo-wop and, and crunchy power chords and techno drums, it's a fucked up combo that can work when it's in the right hands or when there is some thought put into it. There's no thought put into Summer in Paradise. And like I said, when you AB that with, with Still Cruising, um, it, it, the, it, it's, it's glaringly apparent. But then, you, but then as you listen to Still Cruising again, like a song like Island Girl, which is basically The Tide is High by, Bl- by Blondie. Yeah, and I, and you, you said that to me and I didn't, it didn't click to me until you said that. Then I went back and listened to it, and I was like, "Holy shit!" Uh, he, 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 Jesse was right. <laughs> yeah. But then again, but but Island Girl, but but I love I love the Titus High, and it's like, all right, well, I can give it a break. But then the line, <laughs> yeah, it's got maybe the dumbest chorus I've ever heard. Um, you know, uh, she, she's the Island Girl. She's oh so pretty, Island Girl. I like her plenty. <laughs> She makes me happy, and she's kind of sassy. Yeah, what, what can we make? What can rhyme with these words? What do we yeah. have here? Yeah, that, that kind of rhymes. Yeah, fr- yeah, write it down. Let's record write it. it down. Sounds, sounds good. I mean, plenty. How, how Robert... <laughs> 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 it's the least rock and roll fucking thing you can say. Yeah, they were, they were, they're probably sitting back, you know, recording, you know, eating some some good and plenty, and they're like... Good plenty? Oh, yeah. shit. Let's, plenty. Let's use that. Let's <laughs> crack, cram it in there. Yeah, it sounds good. Why not? Um, what's your What's your take on Wipeout? I'm curious. As a standalone fun song, okay. Um, it's it's not bad. I I like it. I'll, I'll be honest. I I, I like the song. I'm, it's certainly not going to win any awards. Yeah. But for just like a fun mess around song of like combining, you know, trying to combine rap and not, not it's not really rock i mean it's they they say like what they say like rap and surf combination um because <laughs> because it's not like like you know run dmc and aerosmith that that's your rap rock combo and then they kind of the beach boys pride themselves on saying we had the the first rap surf combo song it's like well great well, what what's I mean, who else is really doing doing this i mean yeah you had the first one and probably the only one at this point i don't think there's been any other (laughs) rap surf combo since 1987 when it it came out and god bless them i think actually i think i think it's pretty cool song and i think the 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 last verse you know let's all sing a song called it's really good and i love it when it goes acapella classic Believe me, pet sounds comes into beatboxing. That actually makes sense because those are ideas. Summer in Paradise has no ideas. Still, freaking has some ideas, but at least you know that's a quirky combination: Fat Boys and Beach Boys, and it's you know it's different. It's new, Uh, but at least it's something. Oh yeah, Yeah. just like hey, that's at least it's got there, and and. You know, at least it's well done because it's the Beach Boys, some of the greatest singers in the world. That one surprised me that I I, I thought I was going to not like Wipeout, but compared to a song like Make It Big, 
um, which is, uh, I think he's a Pierce point. Mike Love became, he became the voice of the Beach Boys, right? Yeah. Yeah. The 80s. And for so many reasons, that's not good. (laughs) Right? Because you end up with stuff like this. (laughs) You end up with like, yeah. Number one, you end up with stuff like this. Number two, your leader is a guy who is not thinking about the band in total. He's thinking about his own vocals. Brian Wilson was a composer. He was a producer. He was a bass player. He wrote out all the harmonies. Mike Love is just thinking about when Mike Love gets his own shit in. That's right. There's there's so many times where it would just be him going, hey, I don't want you. Don't you want to go with me in them? There's, There's probably 15 times on the record where he gets these little parts where he's sort of speak singing really close into the mic and it's really creepy right you're just kind of whispering you know oh, and whisper. i'm this old guy and i don't you i'm <laughs> and i mean i mean whole- i mean that i mean that that gets very apparent in in summer in paradise in, in that pretty much that whole album i mean we, we can get further into that one but i mean i think oh, yeah. when you were talking about make it big now I, I think I think that's I mean I, I like that song a lot. I when I like first I, I just think it, it it's upbeat. It's it has it has a great rhythm to it, at least I think. You know, okay. just coming from someone not musical at all and just uh-huh. just likes music. <laughs> yeah, I mean, but, that 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 far the uh, the synth the ding 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 that's cool. It's a cool chorus. But then the re- the, the the song to me um it, 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 I don't. I don't hear the song. I hear that one part, and I like that one part. Yeah, and, and and I know like when kind of Mike Love has his kind of like his his solo kind of you know within it, and that's kind of the same thing too, where he's you know talking that low, like "Hey, baby," you know, kind of and everything that, that you do. I can see where you're coming from with that aspect of it, and you and you can tell definitely it's one of his productions to put himself front and center <laughs> with it. Yeah. And, and I think um, they bec- these, these albums become lead vocal heavy as a result. And that's not what the Beach Boys were. The Beach Boys were not a lead vocal heavy group. They were, right. a, you know, so, and that's the, I guess that's also kind of can become a frustrating thing with, especially with Still Cruising is that some of the actual harmony moments are, are beautiful. The chorus of Somewhere in Japan and of course, you know, most of Kokomo, the, the chorus of, of In My Car, it's all about the band unit. So when my, you know, like even still cruising, still cruising after all these years, how many times does the music just stop? And he's going, don't you want to groove? And then we're cruising and we go. And um, I, I think that becomes another reason why people hate 80s Beach Boys so much is that exact element. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Definitely, for sure. I can see that element of it, where it's the it's a different type of music than the classic Beach Boys. So if you're going into saying, "Oh, it's the Beach Boys," I know what I'm getting. You put this on, and you're like, well, "This was not what I was expecting." <laughs> no, that's a, it's not what I was expecting. And a person could probably say, "And it's bad." Right. <laughs> you know, they might not expect Wipeout with the Fat Boys, but okay, <laughs> there at least there's some creativity to it. With my love stuff, I think it can be. I'm not expecting this from the Beach Boys, you know. Um, I, what I find, and and I, I, 
like if we're thinking about now with, with Summer in Paradise, um, maybe, I don't know, maybe you're right. Maybe it is, that one is more, even though it was later, it feels more dated than Still Cruising. I don't know that, if you think. Yeah. I, I, no, I, I think you're right. I think you nailed uh, that one because I think it's the, not counting, you know, the three, you know, classic songs that are on Still Cruising, which are just kind of greatest hits that are thrown in there. We're not, we're not talking. Even, about not even, even going to bring them up because you know I get around. Wouldn't it be nice in California, girls? I mean, that's you know three classic Beach three Boys of songs. songs of all time. So they're right, right. They, they, they're on every. I mean, there's like 50 different Beach Boys greatest hits albums. It, that's right. Pro- probably more than that <laughs> at, at this wouldn't at this be, point. Wouldn't it be nice? Is the is the first song off Pet Sounds, which is you know everybody will say that's top five best albums of all time. Right. Right. Well, have, you know, so we don't need to talk about that on Still Cruise. <laughs> right, right. They're just kind of thrown in there saying, hey, these were in a, in a movie, but we originally going to do that on this album, but we changed our mind and threw in a bunch yeah. of other And songs. that's a reach, man. Like, you know, I mean, it'd be, I don't really have any desire to talk to Mike Love, but I would love to know where the reaches of like, yeah, people would just know that this is a concept album about, you know, <laughs> a soundtrack. Right. Yeah. <laughs> like, it's inherently that we all know what movie what one movie wouldn't it be nice was in, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because these are all, you know, iconic movies that. <laughs> right, right, exactly. Right. I mean, I mean, I mean, you get it. You get it from, you know, you get it when you see Kokomo on the album. You're like, oh, okay, that was from Cocktail. Everybody knows that. Yeah. And then, but, and I think that's pretty much the only reason why this album did did so good was because it had Kokomo on. I mean, that was the main thing was people buying it just so they could. Got Kokomo, right? And for me, I bought the cocktail soundtrack. I was, I was that guy. Okay, I, well, you're that guy. Yeah, I, 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 it does have some good songs on that. I got uh, hippie hippie shake, and it's got some. I think there's a Roy Orbison song on it too. And yeah, oh yeah, the hippie 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 shake. Now I don't know. Was is addicted to love on that soundtrack? Or? I would not be surprised. Or not because because that that's one of the best parts of the movie is when they're when they're in the bar and they're yeah. everybody's singing addicted to love and they turn it down and back up i mean i I love robert palmer one yeah. of my favorite um artists one of my favorite go-tos when i'm when i'm drunk or in the process of drinking and you put on addicted to love or simply irresistible right. and i'm i'm out there dancing like an asshole so <laughs> or, uh, or i didn't mean to turn you on is a good one yeah yeah yeah, yeah so so yeah very the the movie itself cocktails kind of eh, it's not yeah. the, i think the beginning of the movie is a lot better than it, it turns out, but you know. it's surprisingly dark movie at times. Yeah, that's why I wasn't sure. I mean, I, I probably a little more than ten years ago. I think it was the first time I actually sat down and watched the whole movie. Wow! And at first, I was like, okay, you know, this is cool. You know, he's you know a student and working at a bar and doing all this stuff. Then, then yeah, like I said, like. Like halfway through, it gets it gets dark, and it's like yeah. I thought this was just a fun-loving bar movie, but man, you guys really brought this down. <laughs> it, it gets it, it; they do bring it down. Yeah, I, I just thought it was going to be a movie about you know Elizabeth Shue and Tom Cruise. You know, will they will, will they won't they will they won't they? And, right, right. And they works at a bar, and they're, they're listening to music, and <laughs> oh, there's this other guy, and then there's this older lady, and then yeah, but yeah, but I when, but when people think about the movie Cocktail, they think about Kokomo. Right, right. As well as Jen. So, yeah. <laughs> so Mike, Mike Love really rode that wave as, as far as he could possibly go. 
Yeah. And and it, and it is surprising how much hate that Kokomo does get from people. I mean, it's probably I mean, it's one of the biggest Beach Boys hits. Right. That's totally different from their their 60s two totally different levels, you know, going from like if they want to say, you know, surf surf music of the original Beach Boys to now the island music of the Kokomo, the Kokomo era. Right. Just the way you, just the way that you say that sounds so ridiculous, but yeah. it's, <laughs> but it's true. Yeah, yeah. But it's but it's to piggyback on what you said. Um, in New York, I play with these. Sometimes I play with these guys called the Losers Lounge, which are kind of a New York institution of doing tribute shows and theme shows. Wonderful, incredible musicians. They've been doing it for like thirty years. It's, it's crazy. Um, and uh, I did a show with them. It was a Bette Midler tribute, and we played "Wind Beneath My Wings." And one of the guys in the band said, "I think this might be the worst song we've ever had to play." <laughs> Even though I love that song, but one of the one of the guitarists is like, "This I can't. This song fucking sucks." And then he reached out to the, the bass player who was I, was I was actually subbing for, and that bass player said, "No, he said Kokomo is the worst song that I've ever had to play." And I, I can see where he's, where he's coming from because of, of the production mainly. Um, and, you know, the, the steel drums, that's a hard one. Like this, like some people hear steel drums and even sometimes I'm even that guy and, and I'm, my eyes roll. Um, but Kokomo, I, I mean, I definitely have a sense of memory of being a 12 year, of being what, 10 or 11 and seeing that video and sort of my heart swelling and granted I was going through puberty and girls and bikinis. <laughs> yeah. But a lot but, of, a lot of emotions, a lot of feelings. Sure. But then my God, Carl Wilson, you know, um, yeah, I'm gonna take you down to Kokomo. You get, I mean, when he sings that part, it's the beach boys. It's classic. Right. Beach boys. Yeah. How do you not like that? It's fucking, it's when Carl Wilson, and that's one of the things that I'll always like when I first, the first time I heard these records, I was like, oh man, I don't know how, if I'm going to get through these records. But then when I would focus on Carl Love, I was like, it's still Carl Love, man. So even when these albums, these, you know, Summer in Paradise and Still Cruising have moments where I are tough for me to get through, when Carl Wilson breaks out, your heart, he, he tugs at my heart strings. Yeah, they're very underrated. And, then, and I, I've been going through my whole process of analyzing this Beach Boy stuff. I gained so much more respect for for Carl Wilson and and what he meant to the Beach Boys since not really knowing too much about him compared to the 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 face at this point in this era is is Mike Love and then I mean the real person behind the Beach Boys is Brian Wilson so those those are your two your two main faces that that go with the band but the guy that's always been there in the in the back not, not not necessarily background but just he's always off to the side is, is yeah. carl but when he when he's front and center you're like man he always had he has that aura to him and this seems like a really cool dude you know, in all these music <laughs> yeah. videos yeah. that is yeah. like you have mike love out there doing his own thing with his his funny shirts and funny hats but then usually in like all black or in some sort of a suit you know is carl wilson just kind of there like yeah we're we're doing this shit with him you know i don't know i don't know why but we'll make the best yeah. of it <laughs> yeah it's like yeah 
we're family. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I know we're cousins. Yeah. We're cousins, but you know, we're cousins, but, yeah, I know it's not my thing. Yeah. You know, I know he's a Republican, but you know, whatever. right. <laughs> right. Cause everybody always says like, well, why didn't anybody else stop Mike love and taking them down this threat between, you know, Carl and, you know, Al, Al Jardine, another one that I've, I've gained a lot of respect for Absolutely. going, going through all this. And people always say, they had as much of a part in it as as Mike, but they were just kind of like, okay, whatever you want to do. They just kind of were following along with it and doing it. So it's like, did they think it was a good idea? Did they think they needed to go down this road? Or was it just like, whatever, let's give it a shot and see what happens? I think it had to be that. I think, you know, also... I guess when you think of the popularity of the Beatles, of the, the Beatles, the Beach Boys, um, it's okay. So kind of tips in the late '60s, they have a couple hits in the '70s. Um, they lose Dennis Wilson, and in the '80s, suddenly people get in, suddenly people are starting to give a shit about them. So right, I think right. they, were just, they were just happy that people were giving a shit. Right, yeah. right, right. Because you think, I mean, before this, you know, before Still Cruising, I mean, they had a their album, the Beach Boys, in in '85, and oh, okay. you know that that had you know, um, well, I guess I guess Get You Back was the biggest song, okay, off of that one, and then they kind of guess what they released another greatest hits yeah. <laughs> album yeah, after that, and we're kind of still kind of I guess nostalgia at the time. Yeah. I think that was kind of what brought them back in. I guess was that the '80s nostalgia for like the '60s. Love. Yeah, yeah. So I think that's well, what you said, which kind of brought them back into the forefront in like the mid '80s, and then trying to capitalize on that and finding any way they could to kind of try to get a boost to bring themselves back up into the mainstream again. Yeah, and and and, and talking about the, yeah, it definitely late '80s. The whole there was the, there was the renaissance of the Summer of Love. That definitely Freedom Rock, mm-hmm. yeah, Freedom Rock, and stuff like that. Um, Conveniently going into Summer of Love, the song itself, Summer of Love, is upsetting <laughs> to me because even though I kind of like that hook when they say, I can't wait till summer because it's gonna be a summer of love. And hey, now. <laughs> yeah, like, like, if, if Brian Wilson had that in his, like, in his hands, he could have made that spectacular because it's kind of a cool hook. But that, that's as hooky as it gets, just what I just sang to you. And that's kind of depressing because the song, the summer of love, God, the Beach Boys could talk a lot about the summer of love. They were there. Right. This song is about fucking like Baywatch. Well, yeah. Did, did you watch the music video for it? No. Oh, no, well, you, you should. You should. Because it, it's it's essentially them on, on the beach in a Baywatch style credits going through. So I guess they, some, uh, Summer in Paradise was released in 92. And the video for Summer Love didn't come out until '95, when they they <laughs> did it. They did a guest appearance on Baywatch. Oh man! I'm out. Oh, <laughs> so, so make make sure. Yeah, I'm gonna add that to your list of, of things you need to do. I guess just I to have. go back and watch this thing. And if you want to see, you know, just creepy Mike Love. Uh, is it is it, it, is it David Hasselhoff and Mike Love like getting down? No, no. T- there's no David Hasselhoff, sadly, in, in the in the video. I'm surprised, you know. I'm surprised they didn't get a little David Hasselhoff on the album. I mean, 
when you have John Stamos, you might as well, right? You're, you're on so the cool. album, you're, okay, you're... Let, 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 let's talk about John Stamos because 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 here's the deal: we got to give John Stamos some credit. Oh, I do, I do, I, I do. do. I mean, this this is the the Stamos era of the Beach Boys, you know, from the <laughs> still still cruising to well, he's still there today too. He just played with them over, you know, Fourth of July. They did a show and he was there, so he's. He's, he's been there Gilgamesh. since. Yeah. yeah, he's in Gilgam, of course. Yeah, that's how we yeah. know. Mm-hmm. I mean, obviously, t- to me, "Forever" is is the best song on the album. Um, he, it's 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 a. I mean, it's a, it's an old song, obviously. So so it has that. You know, it, it's not a, it's not a nineteen ninety two it's not a nineteen ninety two Beach Boys song. It's a like a seventies Beach Boys song. Um, a I, lot I of, but a lot of people take issue with it being how John Stamos sings it. And compared to the the Dennis Wilson version of it, that you know, I mean, the Stamos one is you know is more pop and that. I mean, it was it was it was essentially recorded for Full House. I mean, he did his band did it in the show and did a whole episode on it. So, I mean, I can see it. I, I like the song too, but you know, a lot of people will, will give it a lot of shit. Okay, so 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 the the people that give John Stamos shit for this song, do they not? Do they also give Mike Love shit? Because in my opinion, John Stamos is doing this song much more of a service than Mike Love does to his songs. Oh yeah, <laughs> you know, like I don't think there's any debating that. Well, but but I, but I think a lot of people would be like, oh fuck, John Stamos. It's like, well, actually, he's he's doing this song justice. He clearly loves it, um, and it's hard. I don't, some, some of these songs, it's hard to tell how much the Beach Boys are really into. As you said. It's kind of hard to tell how into it they are. They're certainly not into the arrangements of them because they're flatter than a pl- plate of piss most of the time. <laughs> they kind of just hang there. With Forever, that song has a good build to it, you know? And th- there's some there's some passion in there. So, yeah. And also, I mean, I, I can't say too much bad shit about John's name because he's also Uncle Jesse, and I'm an Uncle Jesse. And, yes. <laughs> and he had Uncle Jesse and the Rippers. I, I, had, I made up my own band names, Jesse and the Rockers. You know, I can give, give him that. It's just it's interesting to see that the song that um, it, people will again they'll roll their eyes at, at a John Stamos Beach Boys comparison, but he is by far the worst, the most egregious thing on this album. Mm-hmm. You know what you say? Oh yeah, no, I agree with you on that. I I like the song. I mean, but I I mean I I understand where people are coming from with it when they're like, oh well, it's it's a essentially a cover of a previous Beach Boys song pop rock with it so I, I i get that but no it's, right. it's, it's definitely not even close to the the worst thing uh, on the album and and i i like john stamos you know in, in general and i like him with the beach boys i think it's uh it's some sort of fun dynamic that he brings to the band you know during you know this time period and and today too i mean i watched some of their show from fourth of july weekend and and he sang forever at their concert okay, and, cool, yeah, and played played drums did his you know his little bongo you know <laughs> deal that he does so i mean he's somebody yeah. that you know loves the music is is a musician and is not just there to pretend he's part of the band he really puts in the effort yeah he that's in, the, into it he learns the songs clearly and 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 now as in retrospect like that's john stanless when he's you know He's not shooting a show and like you know hanging out with I'm sure incredibly beautiful women and doing making commercials. That guy could be doing anything. And what does he want to do? He wants to play with the Beach Boys. 
that's fucking cool. Yeah, well, definitely. Yeah, that's, good for him. Yeah, that's like there's a lot. That's that's I think that's admirable. I don't think. Um, <laughs> I, I find it really funny though that, that people would think, yeah, but John Stamos's cover of of Forever Man, that's so cheesy, man. But I love how the Beach Boys, you know, put "Wouldn't It Be Nice," you know, on "Still Cruising." I have, I, you know, <laughs> It's the fucking logic in that. Well, okay, so well, so in, in talking about more covers about Summer in, Summer in Paradise, um, the one song that I'd heard before, well, I heard I heard forever, obviously because of Full House, but um, the owner of the Boardwalk, I remember that, <laughs> and um, um, I I think it's really bad. I uh, I agree with you on that one. <laughs> yeah, and I, what's curious is. Um, like I, I love the movie Beaches with Bette Midler. I'm a big, big fan of Beaches. It's one of my. I favorites. was gonna say I'm, I'm getting the feeling you're a big Bette Midler fan. I'm a big fan. And and the movie starts off with her singing under the boardwalk, and it's this kind of um, it, it, it's not, it's not just like the, it's not, it's not the actual um, uh, arrangement. It's it's a little slower, a little sadder, but it's um cool. What's weird about this under the boardwalk is they they just they change it. The melody's a little bit changed. It's um. Well, you know that's that's what they did with all these covers. You know the few covers they did on this album was like let's let's take them and slow them down and you know kind of rework them. Did did you need to do that? Was was it really necessary? <laughs> yeah, the, the slow the slowing down again when it's in the hands of. When it's in the hands of the right person, like Brian Wilson, <laughs> when it's in his hands, he that guy can make something because I think because he's a producer and a composer and he makes choices. I don't think there's a lot of choices going on here. I think it's very no, f- no, <laughs> you know. Um, and under the boardwalk by itself is a really pretty song, and it and that it, you know it has a story, it has a shape. Remember walking in the sand. My God, the original version by the Shangri Las. It's incredible. It you know. Shangri-La is the leader of the pack, and right, right. Walking in the sand, you know, short songs, but they told stories, and it's really heavy shit. When the when when the Beach Boys do it, especially walking in the sand, it, it no, nothing happens, and that's what's so that that's what really bothers me about about this record is that um, like and and hot fun in the summertime. Exactly. Sorry, that might be the worst because that song really only works when it's Sly Stone singing. Right. <laughs> he can bring that song to a place. With Walking in the Sand, like I would love to hear the Beach Boys sing that song, but in 1965, you know, acapella, you know, at a barbecue, I bet it would be one of the most beautiful things ever. You know, because they, they would be able to tell that story. Here, you know, remember. Cheesy delay and... and um, it, it, this when people say that the Beach Boys suck, it, it's when they if they use this as an example, it's hard for us Beach Boys fans to, to argue it. Right, right, right. Because if they had just done a straight cover of it, it, it probably could have been pretty good. Could have worked. Well, it, yeah, it could have worked. Yeah, I mean, they did a version of California Dreaming, which is not bad. I mean, it's it's it's. It's they don't really change it, but it's a good, great song that they sing pretty well. All right, but exactly right. That, that's pretty much taking the California Dreaming and just recording it themselves the same way it was recorded by the Mamas and the Papas. 
and it's just like, just do it straight through, and you're like, this is a pretty good song. But here, you try to mess with everything and try to tweak it, make it your own. Now, I don't know if that has to do with how they were recording this record, because if you look, they said that they started to use, I guess, with using uh, uh, using Pro Pro Tools on on a Macintosh. You know, I mean, this was you know the early '90s, and it's certainly Mac Mac Right, it's certainly not what you're going to have on your iMac today. (laughs) Correct, correct. (laughs) And trying to be hip with the times and say, oh, we can use a computer and and edit our stuff and record it this way. So I think that has a lot to do with how these songs turned out. And if they had just done it the old-fashioned way, it probably would have been a lot better. (laughs) If I mean, it's if these songs had real instruments... If they right. stuck with real drums, it would sound much better. Um, one of the things that I re- that actually really uh, because 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 you bring up the point about the playing, and that's true. It, it, there's something about the cold feel about the technology, which is basically mainly the synth sounds and the drum machines. When you have that juxtaposed, um, juxtaposed, like this clean, cheesy electric guitar, it it what it reminds me of is I don't know if you remember the TV show California Dreams. I do not know. It was like a Save by the Bell. Okay. Um, and a fellow, another Saturday morning show about a rock band that you know they would play. Uh, you know they play at the local Burger Hut. Right, the- right. <laughs> and and it, this is exactly what that music sounds like. You know, to to a T. Um, is what Summer in Paradise sounds like. And that's as big of an insult as I can possibly give. And and but I I, I think also though what you just said is an, is an interesting point is if you're going to take these songs and you're going to rearrange them, you know you got to be careful of that. My point is that they didn't go far enough. They kind of just went eh and put Good it enough. Out. Right, right. They were like, that, oh, yeah, that, that sounds okay. Right. And coming from a band where the where Brian Wilson would painstakingly make them do good vibrations over and over again until it was perfect until he had that sound and that's why we remember good vibrations as the fucking masterpiece it is right this, this was just going through okay let's record it through once and then it's like okay you know that, that's that's good enough then we can we can edit it you know it. and 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 add mix things around within the software and try to make it sound right but it yeah. does not turn out that way when you look through a majority of the songs you know I, I mean i think there are some decent good enough songs on the album i don't know how the songs though the songs though you're right um still surfing for example lyrically that song is great yeah i, I thought that that was one of the, the first songs i had heard off of yeah. this album before i dug deep into the whole thing and I had come across it at one point on YouTube and it it kind of has a little bit of a a little bit of a classic Beach Boys feel to it. Not not too much, but a little you you can get a taste. There's a it. taste, correct. Yeah, it, it's not it's not the overproduced stuff like the covers on the album, which it seems like any covers they did on this album was what they, they did one take of and like we said, just kind of said, okay, we'll edit it and kind of make it sound fun. And it's like, mm, no, no, guys, that was a bad idea. Oh, hey, we'll make this sound fun. Oh, 
Ain't our man douche chills. <laughs> <laughs> but no, but, but, your, but your point is right though about Soul Serving because th there is that vibe. I mean, Beach Boys were so great, and and same. This, I would say the same thing about Motown is you could take these really sad lyrics, but the singing would be so fucking good, the melodies would be so catchy that you'd wind up humming them and singing them, even though lyrically, really sad. In my right, room, poor right. baby, and, you know, and and Still Serving has this kind of story about. This guy who, you know, he never, this is still a servant. He's, he's, he'll always be a beach boy. He'll never grow up. He just wants to hang out with this girl. Well, right. what a great story. The, with Brian Wilson and his music, he could sort of take that and he could s sort of have it say, this guy used to like this, but maybe he'll have to change. But in the end, he's not going to change. He's always going to be this guy. They don't do that. The story, their song just is like, this is a guy. He likes to surf. <laughs> and that's what's so see this guy he likes to surf oh okay yeah <laughs> as opposed to the story that i just told you in five seconds which like brian wilson could have made a whole drama out of that even though it's even though it's the, it's the same fucking plot you know right and when it comes down to that and it's a different type of depressing compared to like like somewhere near japan and <laughs> i'm still cruising where it's it's so uh, drug addiction yeah. and it's like Okay, let's not take it to that extreme. At least they dialed it back a little bit to say, okay, we'll, we'll make a little bit of a sad that, that song, but, but we're not going to go too dark with it. They, they didn't go too dark with it, but you know what they did do? <laughs> the weirdest <coughs> song to me uh, out of both out of all both albums is um, uh, Strange Things Happen, uh, you know, well, well put, apropos. Um, that song... After it gets to the second chorus, it just, it's a jam. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's like a three minute jam of this one part. It's very, right. yeah, <laughs> I, I know. <laughs> it's very strange. It's very, it just, it's, it, and, and, and I kind of like it actually. I think it's pretty interesting. It, it, it reminds me of the fate, like, it, to me, it could have been the, the last song of an album, you know, kind of like the fade out of a movie where the credits are. Right. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah. It's surprising. It, it's, it is strange. You can you, you can give it that, but uh, it is a little surprising. It is it is one of the one of the few bright spots on there. You kind of like you kind of get into it after a while. Yeah, it's a it's a, it's literally a two minute jam on this. The call somewhere in paradise innocuous is is, is a stretch. I would say it's it's, it's a very safe album. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, that has these very tepid covers, um, and then a you know, nice cover, and then in the middle of it, a two minute jam. Right, right, and then you have um, which we kind of talked about a little bit before was was Island Fever, which is kind of a a knockoff of Kokomo, but but I I like that song. I I think it for what they're trying to accomplish with it as a the, cor okay. the chorus is pretty cool yeah, yeah as, like a, as like a kokomo junior <laughs> right uh it's like yes it, it is you know pretty much like a ripoff of kokomo but i mean i guess if you're ripping off yourself um i guess it, there's nothing against that i mean but that's what they say but but uh what i thought it was cool about island fever is at least the chorus has some movement to it i don't know it, it it doesn't just sit there you know there's there's there, it's got some beauty to the chorus true very in, true in yeah. you know? <laughs> um what's interesting is the third as i listen to it again 
even though it, it does have the Kokomo, obviously that was the impetus. They also, you could tell that they were trying not to be so Kokomo and not have the steel drums and not have the little harmonicas and all that kind of stuff. Um, you know, like the, 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 it doesn't have a complete island vibe in a way. It, it, Kokomo is all island. You can, it's just, it's, you can hear the sand in that song. Island Fever, you kind of get some sand in your shoe. Yeah, I, 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 I kind of feel like I'm more in like the rainforest with it. Oh, okay. <laughs> All right, okay. I mean, you kind of get it because like, you know, you hear kind of like the, in the background, I don't want to say insects, but there's like kind of like a, like a rattling <laughs> or, or something. So I don't know. I mean, I get more, instead of like an island, like beach vibe, I get more of like a rainforest vibe. I mean, that's just me. Okay. I, no, I, 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 I get, right. <laughs> okay. Well, that would actually make, okay, that might make a little more sense in the, in the way that, um, uh, Summer in Paradise is a song that also has to do about the rainforest. Right, right. That, that's their, their <laughs> save, saving the world. And... Which is so bad, but but perhaps um, maybe maybe you're on to something. Maybe there is that rainforest vibe. See, you know? maybe that's something nobody ever picked up on before, and now we're, we're breaking it down here today. Really, <laughs> really, really getting to the bottom of this stuff. <laughs> right. this, this is... Forget about the concept. This is the concept album. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah it's, God, it's, it's. I hadn't thought about that. I there's so much. Um, there, there are a lot of callbacks, right, to the to to old Beach Boys stuff. Whether it's covering themselves or all the stuff about you know the summer of love, those kind of callbacks. And Summer in Paradise has a lot to do with that kind of vibe. Summer in Paradise. I think if you took Mike Love off that, that song works pretty well because it's 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 honestly nostalgic. Yeah, it's pretty much just going through the whole Beach Boys history, pretty much yeah. in song. Right, and, and then we get to, and then we get to the ozone layer or whatever. The hell we get to. Right, right. It, it starts off like that, then it goes to be after you know save the world and then the ozone and the rainforest and. Then they they show up on Baywatch for like a fundraiser thing. So, Jesus Christ! <laughs> yeah, no, I, mean, I, every, I, I I I mentally saw everything that you just said, and what I don't like is that the way that that the way the way the sentence starts was this is the, you know this nostalgic for a good song, and then we're in the rainforest, and then we're in Baywatch, and then we're. <laughs> <laughs> Suddenly, the, the train went off. The, right, you know, right, right, right. Then they find out that the out that Summer Paradise sold like five copies, and they're right. like, "Oh crap, we're we're screwed." Uh, uh, <laughs> yeah. Brian, Brian, house, can we get you back? You got you yeah, help? yeah, yeah. I, and, and and which is funny because I I I had searched at the time when this came out, and John Sane was played forever on Full House. They actually re- released the I believe a cassette single of it. And I remember going searching at like the mall and everything and trying to get my, my parents to find it. And, and we could never find the, the album. And I was so upset because I, I wanted that cassette single of forever <laughs> so yeah, bad yeah. And, and never, never got it. And then it took just about 30 years later to, to finally sit here and, it, and, yeah. and break it all down. <laughs> yeah. I, I mean, I, I can firmly say that um, I was not, 
uh, I, I mean, I was into Primus in 1992. That that was where I was. For, that was where my my dollars were going at the record yeah. store. Um, and I never, I never even got into. I never really got into Baywatch. I was into I was into other shitty TV shows. Definitely. Yeah. No, yeah. I, I never watched Baywatch either. But so, so th- this era of this these specific albums went over my head. Yeah. It's 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 a different. It's a weird time period to go to go back to and and trying to figure out okay where this album was in the grand scheme of music and pop culture mm-hmm. which is them trying to grasp on as as we said before it's 1992 you got your marky mark and the, <laughs> the funky bunch yeah. out there and you're trying to make yourself relevant in the pop world yeah, it's a swing and a miss. I mean, that's well, yeah. So I had a, I had a couple of hypotheticals, and this is what I would make because I maybe this is a good note to end on. Um, question one: What would what would have what would have Brian Wilson have brought to Summer in Paradise had he been in a mental place where he could collaborate? What do you think he would have done with these songs? Could he have done anything? With these songs? Well. Would they have made their? Would these songs even have made it onto the album? I guess that <laughs> that's the main thing too. Which is, would this album have even been in existence? I guess that's the main question. I mean, I guess we all know that this was pretty much you know Mike Love's idea. Uh, I, I assume he picked out the songs, and I'm sure probably you know Carl and and Al and and Bruce you know might have had some say into you know some of the songs but if if brian was there i mean i don't think it would have turned out the way it did i think maybe maybe we would have gotten more of the classic covers of the songs like we said if they were classic covers they would be maybe a lot better yeah maybe would have gotten something like that but and that's a that's a that's a tough one i mean what do you think Oh yeah, I, I mean, I I, I can't see because I was like, it's like, well, I can tell you this, I can't see him just plugging in Brian Wilson's voice into these songs. I can't. But what I would have loved on Summer of Love, of Summer in Paradise, is imagine these songs just with the Beach Boys. Let let's say you change nothing about the arrangements, right? You just kept their voices. You added in Brian Wilson, just some piano, and you know, acoustic guitar. I think they, they, you would have had something, because at at this at this at, at the core, even though I don't think all the songs are great <laughs> at, at all, all these songs have something. I think I think each song has something, but I think I think between the production and the the overproduction and the underproduction and the datedness of the sounds, it's just really hard to penetrate this album. Yeah, it, it's its own. It's its own worst enemy in mm-hmm. the end. It's it's something that you want to be good, but you just sit and listen to it, and the good outweighs the bad. I mean, out of out of twelve songs, there's what maybe five. If they we're can get, <laughs> they can get through, yeah. If if we're generous, you know, with that's right. Uh, uh, that are. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I can get through strange things for forever. Um, I can get through still surfing and 
And I, I put Island Fever on there too. I guess Island Fever, yeah. Yeah, so I mean that's sure. But then, it, but then, okay, so, yeah. Well, and then my other question would be, if if um, if on uh, Still Cruising you have the Fat Boys as your big collaborator, and let's not let's not let's take John Stamos out of the uh, the the role of being uh, a um, you know a collaborator because he's in the band, right? Let's what guest collaborator would have been great for Summer in Paradise? Who uh, you know who of that period? In the same ways that you know the Fat Boys were so indicative of late eighties. <laughs> yeah. Well, I, I don't know if you saw what the who was originally supposed to be on Summer of Love was supposed to be. No, who? It was supposed to be a duet with Bart Simpson. Oh no, it was not. Oh, that, that's what Wikipedia tells me. Oh that, my god, that was supposed to be. It says it. It was. It was originally intended to be a duet with Bart Simpson for a planned Simpsons movie, but the Simpsons producers turned down the offer. The song was instead used in an episode of Baywatch. So, wow, that's who was supposed to be our big collaborator for Summer in Paradise. Was supposed to be. Bart Simpson, which was coming off of do the Bart um, to do the Bartman, and, and that so would that have helped? I mean, I don't, oh. I, I don't, I don't see how that would have fit in with Summer of Love in any way. Having Bart Simpson on on that song, <laughs> no, but but, that made, but yeah, but, but you saying that makes. I think I don't know that's the exact correlation, but it is a similar correlation at all. For sure, yeah, but that boys. To Beach Boys, Simpsons, the Beach, yeah. Um, wow, what an awful fucking idea! <laughs> Jesus Christ, man, awfully good. Come on. Well, I mean, I'm a huge. I mean, come on, The Simpsons. Yeah, that, yeah. That, that that to me, The Simpsons didn't become The Simpsons until a few years later. I don't know. To yeah, me, no, I, I I agree. It was still, you know, well, I mean, I think we can all agree that the early Simpsons, the first, you know, decade or so of The Simpsons, were the best. You know, compared yeah. to where they are now, but yeah, I mean, at, at this point, they were starting to get their footing, and it was probably it was probably like the mid '90s was when it kind of really caught cool yeah. fire and, and was was great. But yeah, so at this point, uh, yeah, at that point, they were, at that point, they were more of a, a, a pop culture juggernaut than than actually just a, a great critique of you know <laughs> the world. Right, right. So right. But like I said, like I said, I I can't see how that would have turned out having bart simpson on <laughs> you, you would have had you would have had to change the lyrics a lot no i mean i would assume so yeah yeah i mean maybe instead of having mike love do all that the creepy speaking stuff maybe that would have been bart and then it would be less creepy so maybe that's why in the long run it wasn't supposed to be as creepy as it turned out to be if, if bart simpson was singing the creepy, you know, Mike Love parts. The, the yeah, but it would have been. It would have been. But it would have been. It would have been. Still would have been bad. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right. And 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 maybe that would have killed the Simpsons right then, and we wouldn't have still had them around for years. So right. It, it, was, maybe, pro it, was, it was probably for the best that they turned it down. Yeah, I mean, maybe Matt Groening was like, "Listen, this is not the Beach Boys that I love." Right. Right. Yeah. If if this was the '60s Beach Boys coming in, yeah. Then yeah, definitely we'll we'll collaborate with them. But nineties, yeah, nineties yeah, yeah. Beach Boys, eh, we'll 
we'll pass on that. Let, let's see how this album turns out, and then maybe we'll talk. <laughs> and then they saw, you know, it, it sold ten copies, and they're like, "Okay, no thanks." Yeah, you guys, we're not even gonna have you guys on the show. <laughs> no, thank you. No, thank you. Actually, I was I, I was just checking out something uh, about Anthrax because I'm a big Anthrax fan. And there was a whole Anthrax documentary, and you know, Anthrax was on Married with Children. I don't know if you remember that episode. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. And but originally they wanted to be on The Simpsons. That was their favorite <laughs> show. And it's like it's like it's cool. That that's one of those things. It's like Anthrax on Married with Children is was so friggin' awesome. But that would have been pretty funny to see Anthrax on The Simpsons. <laughs> 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 that would have been pretty funny. Yeah. Well, that was in the, hey, the 90s were a big time for uh, crossovers when it came to sitcoms and uh, and, and music acts and, and everything. So, hey, may, maybe next time we'll, we'll break that down. <laughs> right. If, if, if we do, if we do that, Bob, then we know that Summer in Paradise is. That is the big bang from which started. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> hey, we, we could be opening Pandora's box right here on, hey. on this podcast, but well, I but, couldn't pick a better guy to open it with. No, hey, hey, I appreciate you, you coming on here, Jesse. You know, tell everybody where they can where they can find you. Which what do what do you have going on these days? I mean, I know you're you're still out oh. there making music and doing all that fun stuff. I am doing a lot of fun stuff. Um, uh, I have a new. Uh, project called deactivator with uh, eric slick from dr dog which is a pretty cool thing it's uh it's a very kind of heavy no wavy experimental album sort of about really dealing with remote learning and remote relationships <laughs> and remote recording which is taking a toll on a lot of people especially myself so this new album is, is really about that um uh, I'm playing in a band called Quiz Show with a guitarist from Shudder to Think named Chris Matthews. So we're working on some stuff. Um, I'm going to be going on tour with a band called The Everly Set, which is a cover band that does Everly Brothers material with Sean Altman from Rockapella, which is really cool. We're doing some shows uh, in the Midwest. And best of all, um, in October, I'm doing, I arranged a memorial concert for Eddie Van Halen. Oh, because, nice, nice. Yeah, because we lost the world. The we lost the greatest guitar player of all time last year, and because of COVID, we couldn't give him a concert. And if anybody deserved a tribute concert, it's fucking Eddie Van Halen. It's oh like, yeah, for sure. Yeah. So, so um, I'm partnering with uh, St. Jude's Children's Hospital to uh, to do uh, to raise money for cancer research. So we're gonna hold this concert on October 8th at the cutting room in New York city. It's going to be just the ultimate tribute to, to the greatest guitar player of all time. So, and, uh, but if you want to check out my stuff, it's Jesse Bandcamp. Uh, and I got tons of cool stuff and yeah. And don't forget, don't forget about the legendary Hulk rules album. I have the Hulk rules album. <laughs> Um, that that we covered we we did a whole yes. you know if, if you enjoyed listening to us break down you know the beach boys still cruising in summer in paradise go look in the the bumwinebob.com archives you'll and see then the there's def- yeah there's definitely a correlation <laughs> uh, the wrestling traveling band that that could have been a, a yeah. beach boy I mean, yeah. yeah i'm i'm surprised we didn't get a hulk hogan crossover onto the summer in paradise maybe that would have been the next one maybe if if this album had done well, maybe we could have gotten Hulk on like a, a late nineties Beach Boys album if it well, wasn't actually Hulk on existed. Baywatch? Wasn't Hulk on Baywatch? Yeah, Hulk was on Baywatch too. Yeah. Mm-hmm. 
so close. Yeah. So fucking close. I know that there's like two two ships passing in the night. They oh, I, oh you know what would have been better? Oh god, here's it. So Ryan Wilson couldn't play bass anymore. You get Hulk, get Hulk. Hogan, you're a bass player. <laughs> Come on. Was he gonna be play, play Metallica? Uh, yeah, that that's that's the urban legend that that Hulk Hogan was gonna be the, the bass player for Metallica. That's what the man yeah. loves to to tell people. But yeah, man, if 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 Cole if you had Hulk Hogan in there along with John Stamos <laughs> Mike I mean, and, and Mike Love out there with his, his, right. his funny his funny shirts and his funny hats. Um, Introducing our new rhythm section, Hulk Hogan and John Stamos. <laughs> <laughs> you got Hulk out there with his full his full gear, you know, his 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 red, you know, tight pants, his uh, his weightlifting belt, his 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 cut off shirt. He doesn't have to change his shit. His shit. I mean, no, he, he just puts on his his sunglasses. You know, he's just out there strumming along, strumming the bass. Full of thunder in paradise, summer in paradise. Oh man! Uh, see, look, it goes deep. <laughs> yeah, if if they had, if maybe if Thunder in Paradise lasted one more season, then the there Beach Boys go. could have been on there. Without quite, oh, they would have been salivating to get the Beach Boys for a cameo. Oh yeah, yeah. Oh man, we we're, we got we got a lot to cover next time. <laughs> we're we're, we're gonna we're gonna break this down. <laughs> Sounds so, good, so, dude. So stay tuned. So, so once again, thanks. Thank you to Jesse for coming on here, man. I, I appreciate it. We'll be sure to check out everything you have going on. You know, if you haven't listened already, I mean, make sure to take out, check out that Hulk rules podcast in the archives, check it out at bumwinebob.com. He's Jesse. I'm bumwine Bob until next time. Cheers. The beach boys bring you an endless summer in paradise. The Beach Boys' new album, Summer in Paradise, featuring the hit single, Hot Fun in the Summertime. Summer in Paradise, the definitive soundtrack of summer that lasts all year round. Twelve new cuts from the Beach Boys. Summer in Paradise features the recording debut of John Stamos. Summer in Paradise, the first new studio album in seven years from the Beach Boys on Brother Entertainment. All right, all right, all right. Thanks again to Jesse for taking the time to join this week's edition of Bumming with Bobcat as we broke down two of the infamous, iconic Beach Boys albums, Still Cruising and Summer in Paradise. And I figured since if you've stuck around this long, I figure we could have a special treat for all the listeners out there of the podcast. And I tease it at the beginning of the show that we would be breaking out the new MD-2020 Spike Punch cans soon enough. But I figure, since after discussing the Beach Boys and the surf music, the island music, I feel like I myself now have a little bit of island fever, and I need to find a way to uh, cure that. And while I can't make it down to the islands or the rainforest, I can crack open a can 
of MD2020's Spiked Punch Island Pineapple. So I figure as a special treat for this podcast, and since there is a Bum Wine Bob birthday right around the corner, what better time than now to crack open the two of the three cans that I was able to get of the new MD2020 and give them a shot for a a taste test here on Bummy with Bobcat. So so let's see what we got here. We, it looks like I said I have the the Island Fever. Let's start things off with the MD2020 spike points, the Island Pineapple coming in at 12% ABV. It contains alcohol, which we just says here, you know, 16. Now, these are 16 ounce cans that these Spike Punch uh, MD2020s come in here because they say that on right there on the side of the can it says sharing is key. Grab two glasses of ice, pour, and pass one on to a friend. Cheers. Now, I don't know about you, but when it comes to me in MD2020, at least in some occasions, you'll just pick up one bottle for yourself and you'll be sipping on that thing all night. But, you know, from time to time, yes, you do kind of pass it around, share it up a bit. But these cans here, you know, 16 ounces, they're saying that they're meant to be poured over ice and split up. So, while I'm sitting here solo today, so I have nobody to share these with at the time, but if you're sitting there at home and we're lucky enough to pick up your own cans of MD2020, why don't you pick one out now? If you do have the Island Pineapple, pick that one up here and we will crack that open. So, let's see, let's see what we get. Okay, do get a nice uh, pineapple smell here as we crack open the can. So let's see, let's let's pour. I got my my cup of ice. We will we'll pour it in here as if we were going to be uh, sharing it. Never fails that I end up dripping it on myself as well. There you go. Put that right up to the mic. There you get the uh, the fizzing. And the bubbles, a nice, nice pineapple aroma. It, it smells pretty good. It smells pretty good. So let's uh, give it a try. Cheers. Mm. That that's a pretty smooth pineapple flavor right there. Pineapple malt beverages are always very tricky to, to to come by, and I've seen that in a lot of a lot of different ones over the years. That you wouldn't think it'd be hard to nail down a good pineapple alcoholic beverage, but it is surprisingly tough to do. And my hats off to the MD twenty twenty crew here. This island pineapple uh, does does cure the island fever just a bit. Uh, I do kind of feel like I'm sitting at the beach relaxing right now, but uh, but pretty pretty good. It, not much of a kick, 
uh, to it, not much of a burn. You know, it's got that 12%, so it will get you a good buzz after a while. But that, that is surprisingly smooth. Um, was not expecting it to be that good and that smooth. But, I mean, I could see that being something that that's a solid uh, go-to beverage right there. And the one thing that I did find interesting is that these are actually distributed by Anheuser-Busch. While, you know, the MD2020 brand... Um, is creating these things, they're using Anheuser-Busch to distribute the beverages. So I thought that was kind of interesting. But the other thing that was uh, a little obvious on the can is that per 12-ounce serving, 413 calories. <laughs> so once again, as we've covered recently, uh, quite a few malt beverages the calorie count is another high one on this one here so uh, anybody watching their calorie intake should probably stay away from this one it is a malt beverage with natural flavors certified color and FDNC yellow number five so it, it's your standard malt beverage which is different from the previous MD 2020 cans from a few years back that we featured on a podcast in the archives. You can find that at bumwinebob.com. That those were a hard wine fusion only coming in at 8% alcohol by volume on those guys. But now with these new ones, they switched it around, went more towards the classic MD 2020. Uh, alcohol content getting you to a 12%, so you're, you're very close, you're almost there, but going to malt beverage route and not some wacky, crazy hard wine fusion. So, the, the Island Pineapple, pretty, pretty good. Definitely could be a crowd pleaser and a good beverage to enjoy. So, like I said, we have two of the three. I was not able to get the sweet blue raspberry flavor. For whatever reason, they only had two of the three at the the cold beer to go out in Pennsylvania. You know, it, it took searching through two states to finally get my hands on two of the three. I, I really, really, really wanted to to knock out the trifecta all at once but it was not meant to be and only two of the three and interesting is that and they come in the you know we said 16 ounce cans they come in six packs don't know the exact price it was but for the two six packs of the MD 2020 and two tall boys of the juice and I think that was everything I got. It was all under $20. So so not too expensive, not too pricey. So we will keep the train rolling here and crack open the tangy orange. So we'll see if this compares to like a, a classic Orange Jubilee MD2020. Uh, let's see what we get here. Okay, you get the... Yeah, a little bit of an... Yeah, I smell the orange here. 
Okay, so let's see if we pour this guy out. Try not to uh, drip it on myself this time as we pour. Alright, good, good. Did, did better with that. And I know our good buddy uh, Roadhouse Mike did uh, try out the Tangy Orange. I know he got his hands on that a few months back, and he said it was a pretty good flavor. So, so yeah, it smells, smells like an orange soda almost. So let's uh, give this one a try. If you have yours, your Tangy Orange at home, uh, let's give it a shot. Cheers. Okay, that's uh that's uh that's pretty good. That's a that's a solid flavor. Uh not quite as good as the pineapple. I do get the orange flavor. It does have a it does give you that have a little bit of a tangy aftertaste to it, but it's, it's certainly not bad. It it does not have any sort of a bite. Nothing too crazy with it. Uh, it is a pretty good beverage. I mean, you could see this as a as a nice sipping drink. Yeah, it, it, uh, I mean, it's definitely orange. I mean, I <laughs> I can t I can taste the orange. Uh, I do get a little bit of a tangy flavor with it. Uh, certainly not bad on that front with it. But it's uh it's pretty good. It's it's pretty good. Um out of the two that we had here, I would definitely rank the pineapple higher than than the orange. Uh not that the orange is bad. The orange is, is pretty solid. It does leave a little bit of uh interesting aftertaste with it. Not not bad, but just a little little interesting I guess we'll leave it at that but the pineapple is is fairly solid smooth they they do both remind me of just a regular I mean essentially just doing an alcoholic soda with these here and not going down the the wine road and not even so much of a I mean I guess the soda is technically a malt beverage to begin with but pretty much like a a spiked punch, like like the can says, is pretty solid. Um, in that case, pretty good. I mean, pretty good orange there. I'll go back to the pineapple here, really quick. Yeah, I definitely would rank the pineapple up. The pineapple is a lot smoother. Has a nice, true to form pineapple taste with it and reminds me of like a, a pineapple soda so you can't really go wrong with either of these you know pleasantly surprised with the MD 2020 the two spike punch flavors that we had here to try today now will these stick around that remains to be seen back in 2018 they released the previous cans uh, in test markets, and by the summer of 2019, just as I got my hands on them, they were, we found out they were discontinued, never to come back again. Now, fast forward to early 2021, 
news breaks out, there's new cans coming again, spike punch, 12% alcohol, more like a malt beverage, more like the true MD 2020, and we'll see, they're still not everywhere, it's still in select areas, you gotta, you gotta go searching to find it, uh, you can search for it on Drizzly, and you can go to drizzly.bumwinebob.com and search to see if there are MD2020 spike punch cans in your area. And if you do it that way, use the affiliate link because Bumwine Bob is an official affiliate with Drizzly. Uh, it'll help us out and kick us back uh, <laughs> a few cents just for uh, clicking that link, ordering. And, and you get it delivered to your front door. So you can't go wrong there. All you have to do is search, fill out what you want, hit submit, pay, and then half an hour later, you'll, there'll be a knock on the door. There's your alcohol right there. They got everything. MD2020, Bushlight Apple, juice, hard liquor, wine, you name it, it's out there. You know, Hit up the website, drizzly.bumwinebob.com, and start your online liquor shopping. It's convenient. It's easy. And you don't have to leave the house. That makes it so much better. <laughs> but, but yeah, I figured we would throw in a little Easter egg for everybody joining this week's edition of Bummy with Bobcat as we were still cruising to a summer in paradise, breaking down the two Beach Boys albums. Hopefully you enjoyed the show. You enjoyed the podcast. If you did... Give us a review on iTunes, on your favorite podcast apps. Give it that five stars. Tell your friends. Check out the website at bumwinebob.com. Join the Pick'em League. Request. Hit me up. Give me a follow on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram at bumwinebob. And until next time, cheers. <laughs>